You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Jay. It's uh, kind of sad to hear people struggling, but... What I want to do here is I want to be the very first to wish you Happy New Year. I mean, this is a good time, except it's not. Uh, you know, when I think of the, of the year, it started off really well. It started off really well last year. And there's some promise again today. Possible. Dominic Doan, my friend who pastors at Westside, uh, drew this picture of 2020. And it just represents so well. It started off so well, ended up so messy. What a year this has been. Violent protests in the streets of Portland after a good start with thousands of people protesting the realities of racial injustice. It was bad. But the, the violence was there all the time. But in the midst of it, some incredible hope. This picture went international of Portland police taking a knee to speak to racial injustice that's happening in our society. And this is a good one. Uh, one that really intrigued me was in London, England. One of the protesters, his name is uh, Patrick Hutchinson, actually picked up an injured counter-protester and carried him to safety from the protests. There were such moments of hope in the midst of that. But then the fires. The Bear Fire covered 23,000 acres in 24 hours down in California here in Oregon, throughout the state, but in Australia, far worse. This picture of a little koala just breaks your heart to see this little animal burned in the fires there. The bombing in Beirut. That city has a lot of connection to me because that's my city in a lot of ways. I've taught there a number of times, got very close friends there, and when that thing blew up, It blew up a whole beautiful city, left thousands homeless. An industry. I mean, I'm not a tour boat guy at all, but I look at these cruise ships being dismantled there for scrap in Turkey. Yikes. Sports. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not in favor. (laughs) I am not in favor of cardboard things in the stand and artificial crowd noise in the midst of that sort of thing. And schools. Oy. Really? Is this the way to do school? I mean, ah, the contradiction is better this than nothing, but still, tough year. Greeting grandpa and grandma for the very first time through a window. Our own Ron and Bev Allen Bruce Allen's father, colleague of mine at Western Seminary for a long time, doing their 60th anniversary. Bev had stroke. She's in a care center. Can you imagine doing a 60th anniversary like this? Can't even kiss each other? Can't even touch each other? But they're face-to-face, and the staff did an amazing job. They could celebrate together as best as possible. But there are too many pictures like this for Thanksgiving. Too many. An empty walker part of the prayer circle at a Thanksgiving meal. Too many like that. There are hopes. This is a picture of senators 
eight different senators came together here in a spirit of accommodation instead of domination. These senators, Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Bill Cassidy, were Republicans. Joe Manchin, Mike, Mark Warner, Jane, uh, Jeannie Shaheen, Maggie Hassan, and Angus King as an independent came together and hammered out a coalition bill for assistance in pandemic, but only to be thrown back into the politics of domination. But I applaud these senators who came together a spirit of accommodation. That's the way it should be done. Credible, incredible, incredible that a COVID vaccine was de developed from nothing in less than a year is now being approved as people are getting shots here in Portland. One of my friends has already got it. She's a physician. And we look at that incredible accomplishment because these two vaccines have been approved from Pfizer and Moderna are both the vaccines that are based on a technology that's never been used before, modified RNA technology. But then the question comes, should you take the vaccine? And that's a real issue. It really is an issue. Do you take the vaccine or not becomes an issue that we have to think about, and we want you to think well about that. Uh, Al Mohler, uh, president at Southern Baptist Seminary, has put together a document that thinks through the key issues. He begins, of course, with the whole issue of we believe in medicine. There are others who say just assume Jesus will be your protector. Uh, one of the main guys there is Guillermo Madano, pastor of a huge church down in Florida, who said, believe in divine immunity, believe in the blood of Jesus. We believe there's a place for medicine as well as prayer. The second question he asks is the derivation of the vaccine, because many vaccines have their background in cell tissues that have their source in aborted baby tissues. Now, the two that are currently approved do not have that. They're manufactured actually by computer in labs, and there's no fetal cells involved at all. A lot of questions around that, and that's explored well. There's also the issue of efficacy and safety, and these are big issues as well. Is this safe to do that? And what we encourage you to do is check things out carefully and make a decision that's based on good information. There is a uh, at my website, brashears.net, at the Grace Forums, I have the Mueller article, which our elders have reviewed and commend to you, not to make the decision, but to things around that, and a number of other things that are in there as well, in a document called Resources for COVID-19. And in there, we have a number of things. Randy Alcorn has contributed things. Our own Chris Delaney, who is uh, against vaccines, has contributed some material. We want you to read and think carefully about whether you should take the vaccines or not. Most of us in elders will get it as soon as possible. I'm certainly one of those. That's the direction I'm going to be going. There was hope internationally. This is Hong Kong. With all the anti-democracy stuff going on there, I was absolutely intrigued with this threat. Stop using baton or we sing hallelujah to the Lord. <laughs> What an odd thing that nonviolent protest in the name of Jesus was a major stopping point for some brutality that was going on there. This is Iraq. Can you believe that in Iraq, all the things they can't agree on, they did agree on Christmas as a national holiday. And the odd thing of these Muslim women shopping for Christmas trees, I mean, how can you deal with this? How can you deal with this? This is amazing. The blessing song went international. One song written went into so many different languages. So as we skip into 
2021, and we think together what this means. While I was driving to Christmas Eve service, Sherry and Cindy and me, and we saw this car ahead of us over on 181st, and uh, when I saw Only God, I knew they were in Living Hope over in Vancouver because the church I worked with over the years. Do you follow Jesus this closely was the sign there? And I had to laugh because I knew I was preaching on discipleship today, and that's what we're doing. That's what I want to think about. What does discipleship look like in 2021? What does it mean to follow Jesus as we head into a year that's just chock full of unknowns and big questions? So I want to turn here to Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to continue to look at this passage together. Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. Now, you understand Jesus is exhausted here. It's been long. And a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, this is amazing because the teacher of the law, that's the, one of the high-class people. I mean, that would be like a university prof. would be higher than that. I don't know what it would be exactly in our society today because it's a religious figure as well as an educational figure. A teacher of the law comes to Jesus and said, I'll go with you anywhere you want. So here we have a respected scholar coming to Jesus and said, I will follow you anywhere. It's amazing, absolutely, that he will, he's thinking, now I put it, I'm, I'm the sort of guy who stops and puts stories into people that I see on the street, just by, I don't know what it is. And I look at this guy, and I think, here's a teacher of the law, PhD and all that kind of stuff. And he looks at Jesus, who's popular, and he says, you know, we can partner together. We can do it together. I'll go with you anywhere. Like, you know, and what he's really saying is here, it's astonishing they honor Jesus. It's absolutely astonishing that this teacher of the law would honor this wandering rabbi named Jesus. And he calls him teacher because that's what he respects. And he's saying here, I think, better together, Jesus, like you and me. Like, this would be good. We could partner together. Like, we could form a, a famous yeshiva. Now, yeshiva is a Jewish religious school, and those are a big way of education, especially in the religious context, but that was what most education was in, in Judea. We can form famous. I mean, what we can do together, Jesus? Oh my gosh, this will be incredible. And he's honoring Jesus as a respected citizen and saying, I will give you validity and you can give me some popularity. It'll be great together, Jesus. (laughs) We'll go anywhere. Jesus' response, I'll follow you anywhere I can go. His Jesus' response is kind of weird. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head? What he's saying to this guy is, you know, you've got to stop and think about things. Because, see, Jesus is saying, I don't have a home. In fact, what Jesus is doing, to put it in modern parlance, he is couch surfing. He has no home. He has places to go, but he has no place of his own. He said, you know, this is where we're going. And one of the phrases that caught me, I was reading Alfred Plummer and uh, an older of a previous century, Jesus' life began in a borrowed stable and ended in a borrowed tomb. That's what he's saying to this enthusiastic, respected scholar who's looking for a way to increase his fame and increase his impact. 
you've got to consider what's involved here. Because if you're looking for security, if you're looking for stability, if you're looking for popularity, if you're looking for... You know what he's saying here? This is First Peter 2. What he's saying here, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What we're saying here is you're going to be living as a foreigner. You're not going to fit in. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be slandered. You're going to be insulted. You're going to feel just completely out of place because your values and the values around are going to be way different. I remember one time in Beirut when I was teaching there. And I've got close friends there. Uh, The classes were incredible. But there was one time when we took a trip downtown to have some food And as we were driving back up to the seminary, we stopped and were doing some things. And I just listened to people, and they were speaking in Arabic, and they were having fun in very different ways. And suddenly it just hit me really hard. This is not my place. This is not my place. I don't fit here. And that's what Jesus is saying to us as disciples. If we're following him, there's a sense in which we're always going to be a foreigner, an exile, somebody who does not fit in. And the question is, what's the scholar's response? See, to Mr. Bighead, as Bruner puts it, what's his response? The answer is, we don't know. But see, that's something for a lot of us who are Mr. Bighead type. We're important, respected people. And we say, Jesus, I'll follow you. Enthusiastic. But maybe not with the clearest understanding of what that involves. He's saying, think about what you're doing. Think about it. Mr. Respected Scholar, Mr. Respected Businessman, Mr. Respected Community Member, do you know what you're signing up for? Consider carefully what it means to follow Jesus. If you're looking for peace and security... That may not be where he takes you. It may not be. Now, it may be. He may bring things into your life. What he brought into my life with Sherry is extra kids. And it's brought in a joy that is inexpressible. I mean, it's just, oh my gosh. Sherry and Cindy, as you're watching this right now, hey, I'm looking forward to getting home and having some food with you too. I love having my daughter involved in our house as she's up here from Cannon Beach Conference Center. It's a good time Zooming with my kids and dual call with my non-legal kids over in Boise. I mean, I love those things. It can lead to, but what is the cost that's involved? There's a second story. There's a second story, a second disciple. Another disciple came and said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. You have to understand, in that context, this is a conflicted disciple. Because he's got responsibilities, he's got a father to bury. I mean, that's a big deal. Jesus, I'll follow you, but I've got to bury my dad. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. And what he's saying here, I think, is he will work hard to fit Jesus into the complexity of his life, and his complexity is, I've got to bury my dad. 
Now you understand, in Jewish economy, this is one of the highest responsibilities. A son must honor his father and his mother, in this case his father. It goes clear back to the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments it says, honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land, the Lord your God. And Jesus echoes that in response to the people who are throwing away their dads and moms. He says, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father. It's important, important to honor your father. Elijah picks Elisha. He was, look at this guy, Elisha, plowing with 12, 12 yoke of oxen. I mean, this is a powerful guy. He himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen, ran after Elijah, and he says this, let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye. Sounds familiar? And then I'll come with you. Go back, Elisha replied. Elijah replied. And Elisha left him, went back, took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. This second disciples, same thing, same thing. So just as Elijah gave Elisha the freedom to go say goodbye to his family and have a banquet, where he followed, this guy's saying, you know, I got a couple things I got to take care of. What does Jesus say to the disciple? Follow me. Let the dead bury their dead. Now, it's actually, I mean, this is, this is really surprising because that's just not what you would expect him to say. I mean, even Elijah, the great prophet of the Old Testament, says, sure, go say goodbye to your family. You recognize it's important. What's he saying here? Well, let's think about it. He's saying, bury my father. Well, let's think about it. If he's still alive, possible. He's saying, I've got to honor my father and I'll, I'll, I'll come back to you after my father's dead. Possible. Maybe he just died. But you know, in the, in the Jewish celebration of mourning, an Inuit, you stop everything. There is no possibility his father just died. There's no possibility. He would not be with Jesus. He would be at home in the shock of the new death because you, you bury people within 24 hours. It's not like it is today where you may wait a good long while. Maybe, maybe he's being mourned. Maybe he's already buried, but the period of mourning, there's a period of mourning, the Shiva, the last seven days. Maybe it's in this period of Shiva, but you know, he would not be out with Jesus because during that time, you don't do anything. You just stay and you receive guests in. You remember dad and it, you don't go out anywhere. So it's not in those seven days. Maybe it's in, well, a son has a responsibility to mourn his father for a year. And for 30 days, he doesn't cut his hair or shave his beard and do really anything. I don't think it's being mourned because he'd be at home doing it. He would not be out following Jesus around because you don't go to large gatherings and celebrate. Don't think that's it. Maybe he's being gathered to his father because after the year of mourning, you take the bones from the outer part of the tomb and put them back in the inner part of the tomb where the bones of the ancestors are. But again, that's a celebration you don't miss. That's not what's happening. So when you think about it, really the only possibility here, his father's still alive and he's saying, 
I'll come with you as soon as my dad is dead. And Jesus said, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No. Disciples must not let any family become an excuse for not following Jesus, even as they honor and care for family. You know, it's important to do that. Honoring family is really important. I mean, I've got some examples on the notes, but this is one of them. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially their own household, has denied the faith as worse than an unbeliever, Peter says. Yeah, we have a responsibility to our families. But that can never be an excuse for not following Jesus. How do you balance those demands out? How do you balance those demands out? And the answer is, it's always complicated. It's always complicated. I remember when the Lord called us to go to the Philippines after Sharon and I had been married just, well, when he called us, we'd been married less than a year. And he called us to go to the Philippines, and we went back to Albuquerque. I was teaching junior high up in Denver. Went back, and Sherry's dad, who had served in the military in the Philippines in World War II, and hated it because he'd seen so much bad stuff during the war. And the fact we were taking his first and only grandson, he was so angry. And we had to balance that demand between responsibility to Sherry's dad and mom and their complete disapproval and God's call for us to go to the Philippines. It was complicated. It was messy. Yeah, we went. Yeah, we went. And by the time we got back, Sherry's dad had accepted it. But it was always a problem. Family responsibility can't be an excuse to not follow Jesus. But they have to be something we honor and care for. It has to be. The response, we don't know. There's a phrase that comes up, the Son of Man. I want to explore this just with you briefly and understand this. This is Isaiah 56. One of several places there on your notes. Keep justice, do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed in this messianic prophecy. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps Sabbath, not profaning it, keeping his hand from doing evil. And you see man and son of man are in parallelism. This is the ESV standard, which is a little more word for word. NIV, it's a little more meaning for meaning, puts person here, not son of man, because it's what it means. It's just, it's just uh, well, what it is really, it's an everyday human when it talks about son of man. When Jesus says son of man, this is one connotation it has. I'm just a guy. I'm just a human. But it's not the only one. Ezekiel 2 is the first of 93 times this phrase is used in Ezekiel. This is the first one. You, son of man, do not be afraid of what they're uh, terrified by them, for though they're rebellious people, you must speak my words to them whether they listen or fail to listen. And 93 times is doing this. And what he's saying is he's a frail human called to serve the mighty God courageously, even though rebellious and to be really difficult. And he's going to do some really bizarre stuff. Chapter 4, chapter 5, just some of it. He's going to lay on his one side for 390 days. And then he's going to lay on the other side for 40 days. Then he's put together some Ezekiel bread. And he's going to cook. It's a weird bread. I mean, it's not what I want for my, supper, my lunch when I get home here. 
and he's going to cook it over dung. He's going to do some very weird stuff. He's a frail human called to serve the mighty God courageously in undignified ways. See, that's a connotation for Jesus. But the big one is Daniel chapter 7. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, person, prophet, coming as the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, that's the Father, Yahweh, was led into his presence. He, one like a son of man, was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. Now, this figure... This picture has been around, the a son of man, is a picture that comes in. And what we're talking about here is a human who's worshipped before the ancient days and given messianic authority to rule and judge. And what Jesus is saying when he uses this phrase is he didn't say, he's not saying I am a son of man, which would be the phrase in the Bible. He uses the phrase the son of the man. Very awkward. And what he's saying here is Jesus is the Son of Man, or another way of saying it, he is that Son of Man. With all those connotations, it's loaded, it was unused, and he's going to fill it in with new meaning. But that's a gripping picture. We're going to see it show up a lot as we continue through the book of Mark. For Jesus' followers, worship team, if you want to come back up here, we're going to do some singing here in a bit. There are always really good reasons for not following Jesus. Always. There's lots of reasons for not following Jesus. What will those play in how you're doing things? What will those play? Garland, in his commentary, NIV, uh, uh, no, not in his commentary, says there are no excused absences from serving Jesus. What does that say for you? What does it say for me? When he calls, will we follow is the question. This is important. Faith and discipleship are both growing whole person activities, callings. It's not a one-time thing. This is not just maybe like right now, if you're beginning to think about Jesus and maybe you follow him. That's a one-time decision you make to follow Jesus, but it's also a lifetime constantly. And it's not just an attitude in your mind. It's an action of your body. It's an action of who you are. It's a whole person growing commitment to be a disciple. Are you Mr. Respected looking for security and not willing to give it up maybe? Or maybe you're Mr. Faintheart and putting, trying to fit Jesus into your life. That growing call is an ongoing kind of thing. Jesus said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Pointing to disciples, here are my mother and brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother, he says. So the question is, who's your family? Some of your bio family is a mess. Somebody like me, our bio family is in good shape. But see, it's a bigger family. And it's the family of Jesus' followers, that you join a family. We call God Father. We call our fellow followers brother and sister. 
family picture together and we have that kind of commitment. Because you don't just leave a family, you join a family. That's what Jesus said. Follow me. Let the dead bear their own dead. Follow me, he says. And he got into the boat. The disciples followed him. And I think about this, and this is one of those things, there's a tragedy of the unseized opportunity. And this is a time right now I'd like you to just think about as we sing here together, what is Jesus calling you to do? As we head into 2021, what is it that he's saying, ponder this and follow me? If Jesus were to look in your eyes, as he did with those disciples there, follow me, he said. But he's going to get in the boat. And the question, the question is, will you get in the boat? That's the question. Let's sing about it, Sarah. That is our prayer. Great are you, Lord. And we say, we will follow you, Jesus. And he said it like this. Teacher of the law came and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. It's a great statement. But see, enthusiasm has to be married with commitment, knowledgeable commitment. Anywhere, Jesus? That's his call. What are the things you need to think about where maybe you're more like the second disciple? Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And there's a hedge on your commitment that says, I'll fit you in the complexities of my life. You need to count the cost. But Jesus has to be first. That's what he's saying. Great are you, Lord. And I can tell you from personal experience, there is a huge payoff to following Jesus. But it may take you to some very difficult places. But he goes with you. That's what we think about Emmanuel, Lord with us. So that's the call. He says, follow me. As we step into 2021 with all kinds of unknowns, all kinds of difficulties, I just got a text from Blake Arnold. Uh, I did their wedding a while back, and Blake and Lindsay. Lindsay has MS. Their dad uh, is pastor of a cornerstone, Barry. They had covid she relapsed. She's in the hospital now with MS, not doing well. What do you do if your name's Blake? And you're following Jesus. What does it mean? See, the thing it is, Jesus goes with us. And we get in the boat and say, okay, Jesus, here we go. It's a calling that is full of opportunity, joy, privilege, courage. That's the call. Let's pray together. Father, I do pray for Lindsay as she's in hospital right now. 
I think of the others in our congregation who are wrestling with this and have the economic difficulties that a number are facing because of jobs that are gone, a number of people who are in marital conflict, but also, Lord, how much you bring blessing into those places. I pray that as we follow you, that you'll give us the courage, the discernment, the vision, the hope to keep following you. And in this new year that looms ahead, Lord, grant us that ability to come back in the stripped down life we face right now to make that commitment clearer and our commitment to go with you and to serve with you even deeper and stronger. I pray, Father, that you will be, your love will be central. Lord Jesus, your own life will be our example. Holy Spirit, you will empower us and convict us of those places we need to change. Give us your call anew, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go change the world. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.